You're listening to Your Jewish Life, Your Way with Karen Cinnamon, the podcast that explores what it feels like to be Jewish or Jewish in 2021. On the show, we divulge all of the secrets and know-how to being confident in celebrating and living your Jewish life, your way, with easy ways to embrace your mishpacha through the traditions and rituals you've been dying to learn more about without having to compromise life's everyday hustle. So save your fetching because we are talking less Jewish guilt and more Jewish joy here on out. Yalla, forget about the right and wrong ways to be Jewish. It's time to create a Jewish life you love living. Welcome to today's episode. It's all about creating a meaningful Jewish home. And sometimes it's hard to know where to start with with, with that. And it's even harder to get past that sense of Jewish imposter syndrome that can creep in when you feel like everyone else knows more than you do, does more than you do, and just generally fits in better than you do. But the truth is, like I always say, there is no one right way to be Jewish. The right way is the way that's meaningful to you and will make you feel connected to your Judaism. And we're tackling the subject today, this Jewish imposter syndrome that so many of us feel, and also talking about what it really means to build a Jewish home with my special guest, Michaela Ezra. She is a powerhouse. Our our paths first crossed um, some years ago now, four or five years ago with my work at Smashing the Glass when I was introduced to her beautiful color cover designs she has her own modern judaica line and uh, we thought her color cover designs would make beautiful wedding gifts and that's how our paths cross so we've known each other for some years Uh, we've met in person in new york city we are soul sisters we have a very deep connection and it was just so exciting for me to have her on the podcast Um, so we we talk about um, on this episode what it really means to build of Jewish home and how to do it, how to overcome Jewish imposter syndrome. We talk about growing your spirituality, whatever stage of life you're at. And I feel that Michaela is an incredible role model when it comes to Jewish spirituality and the way she constantly strives to find her own meaning in Judaism for herself and now for her family too. Um, this, This episode is guaranteed to inspire you. So let's dive right in. So we are going to be talking today. I want to hear your story, how it came to be that, you know, I'm talking to you today about spirituality and finding meaning and wisdom in Judaism and obviously your beautiful boutique Judaica line. Like, where shall we start? Shall we start with your childhood? Shall we start with how this all came to be? Where's a good place to start? Wow. Um I mean, so many seeds, you know, I feel like our whole life we're planting seeds and then suddenly they flourish and turn into some something and take you in a direction that you sometimes never expected. So where would you like to start? My childhood or, yeah, how, how, or well, my let, journey in New York? How did, okay, so yeah, let's start with how Judaism played a role in your life growing up. Tell me about your childhood and, and how Judaism played a role. Well, I grew up in Australia, which is where I'm speaking to you from now. And um, I had like a traditional Jewish, warm cultural upbringing, um, a very proud Jewish family. And we, I went to a a modern Orthodox Jewish day school. So I had like a very rich Jewish education, which was for the most part, traditional and Zionistic and I, from a young age, always felt very connected to Judaism. I felt incredibly curious about my ancestry and connected to the women who came before me, particularly my father's family who had come from Iraq and Iran to India and then to Australia. So I had this like pull on my heartstrings when it came to Jewish life. Indescribable. It's something that just resonated with me from a young age and And I always felt very drawn to learning about where we came from and the rituals. They just spoke to this place in my heart. And then when I came to New York, I came when I was about 24 years old. I came to work in the fashion industry and I 
was full of excitement and energy and and so um, curious about life in the city and I just immersed myself in the world of fashion and I was it was just a very joyful and exciting time for me as I pursued this career and while this was happening and I was drawn into this like chaotic and fast-paced world that was like so fulfilling from a creative standpoint and a social standpoint I was taken by a friend of mine to a class of a rabbi named Rabbi Jacobson. And Rabbi Jacobson is a profound spiritual teacher and he was a student of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And so he takes a lot of teachings from Hasidut and um, from Jewish mystical traditions and he translates them in a way that are really, that is really universal and really, um, really meaningful. And I came to his class and as he started speaking and as he's teaching, I realized something like a light bulb went off of me inside me. And I realized that this was something that I had been missing in the Jewish education that I had received through my whole life as nourishing as it was and as rich as it was. There was something spiritual and something that touched my soul in the way that he was teaching our traditions and explaining the wisdom of our heritage that really I felt so strongly connected to. And I thought, this is it. This is the missing piece for me. And it sort of unveiled a new perspective and a new way of entering so many of the traditions I knew about, so many of the holidays I already knew about, but it gave me a different uh, gateway into them, a different way of considering them. And it, to me, I guess that was sort of my adult revival in terms of my Jewish understanding and my Jewish identity and exploration and learning was um, this new school of thought that I was exposed to. Well, it was at first and, and still is today, just um, this, this beautiful mystery that I get to unfold, you know, at this, it becomes, the traditions became alive on a different level. They spoke to me in a different way because it was no longer just a ritual that I was practicing with my mother because it felt good and it felt um, nostalgic. But here was this wisdom coming through that allowed me to see how much meaning the traditions could bring to my life and how many layers they were and how it could help me access deeper reservoirs within myself and how it could help me connect to God and how it could help me know my soul. And what does it mean to um, explore your spirit and to encourage your children and the family around you to realize that they're not just physical bodies, that they're spirits in this body and how we connected uh, to one another from that perspective. And what's our role as, as Jewish souls in these bodies in this lifetime and how do we connect to God in that way? So there are so many different pathways that, that I started to consider because of this extra layer of education. And so I, there I was in York on the one hand, immersed in this world of fashion and, and working incredibly hard and in incredibly long hours and completely uh, devoted to that path. And at the same time, feeling like it wasn't nourishing my soul. And then along came this new exposure, this new, this new education. And, and that was feeding me in a way that my creative work wasn't. And so on the weekend, I wasn't buying copies of Vogue. I was buying Time magazine's special on Mother Teresa. And I was reading Rabbi Jacobson's book, Towards a Meaningful Life. And I was really exploring spirituality and, and how that related to me in my mid-20s. And at the same time, as I was going down this Jewish spiritual learning path, I was also exposed to many more universal spiritual teachers, such as Marion Williamson and Wayne Dyer, and the whole New Age philosophy and spirituality in America that I had not been exposed to previously in Australia. So as I was immersed in that, I was seeing 
there are so many young Jewish women, just like me, who are craving spirituality and we're at the yoga class and we're at this, this talk, but hang on a second, this is all available in our own wisdom tradition as well. This is all available in the Torah as well. And why don't we know that? Why do we not see that connection? Why has Judaism become this rote mechanical turn up once a year to holidays when it can offer us so much more than that? So all of this was going on at that period of time in New York and um, and leads to where I am today. I love that. And, and I think you're, you're so right with this, that when you said about the mechanical, we sometimes are going through things and we don't even know why we're doing them and um, I always say on this podcast and with everything I do it's a no shoulds zone we don't want to hear I should go to synagogue someone that I interviewed last week said I should get the silver sterling out for Rosh Hashanah you know so and I know we we have the same feeling about you know Jewish joy and what sparks meaning and what's meaningful to you so how in let's let's continue with with life in your 20s how did that um resonate with 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 your jewish life in your 20s you know the two the two sides as you say and Mm. living in busy crazy new york city you know i continued both right you don't give up your day job like and and judaism doesn't want you to spirituality doesn't want you to have any tradition Um, it's something that we start to see influence and integrate and seep into our awareness in a way that it informs and infuses every other action that we take through the day. But let's just say at that time, my Jewish life was really, apart from going to the Shirim, I felt like I wore my Magen David every day and I kept kosher. And that was what kind of anchored me, those two traditions, because I was no longer in my village I was no longer in the world I'd grown up in where I could just end up at my parents house with their automatically cooked Shabbat dinner or I could end up at my parents place on Rosh Hashanah at my aunt's place on Rosh Hashanah or on Pesach you know I had to start really focusing on what I wanted to create for myself and the traditions that I wanted to include in my life and um, and on a daily basis, those two elements of wearing my Star of David and, and keeping kosher were what reminded me and, and kept me um, focused. And then also, I had this incredible blessing of in New York meeting a lot of beautiful young Jewish people from around the world. And we would gather together on Friday nights and whether it was on the floor of someone's studio apartment or crammed around the table, we would put together our Shabbat dinners and, and they were some of the most beautiful and joyful memories I have of that period of my life. So you created your own community, your new community oh, yeah. in New York City. I did. I did. And now these friends are scattered all over the world and I cherish them like family. And I know we'll be in each other's lives, you know, for many, many years to come because it's just so precious to have to go and create that for yourself, to create your own family away from home. And we all found a lot of joy and and meaning in those times, each of us coming from different levels of practicing Judaism, but in a place where you're otherwise anonymous to find find that family and to find this shared love is something that's very special absolutely um and it's very interesting now in as we're recording in 2021 you know community isn't just a physical thing anymore it can be online it can be through members clubs like our own ones our community membership smashing life um, but there's nothing like you know gathering together and I'd love to know a bit more about those those Shabbats I'm sure there's some 20 somethings yeah. listening to us that that would like to get their friends together let's talk about ways to create a meaningful Jewish home and inviting Jews non-Jews over to Shabbat how do you create what you yeah. created in your 20s and then maybe we can move on to family life as well yeah yeah well you know there are two phases that I could divide it into I mean first was before I I met my husband so um and in in that period of our lives you know it was really the haphazard Shabbat let's call it right it's um it was spontaneously organized it was with whatever we could master it might be it I mean there 
were Shabbats that we held in restaurants, right? It was just, let's let's gather and so on, bring the halal and the bread and we were in a restaurant and it's not conventional, but it, but but we did it and we showed up and we were together. It was the togetherness that we wanted to experience and there was something sacred in the fact that we all knew why we were together. No matter our level of observance, like we, we all knew we were there because Friday night to us was something that was different. It was unique. Here we would say at this point of my life, I would say it's that, that feeling of separation that we experience in Shabbat from the, the remainder of the week. We were already sensing into that without knowing that there was a specific word for it, the, the separation between what's regular and what's holy. And we were trying to lean into that holiness. And there was something that we felt in our hearts that we had to that we had to attend to. So we showed up and someone would bring the fruit and someone would bring the the chicken and someone else would bring the dessert and we put it together and you never know who would show up, which is so beautiful. This like idea that anyone can knock on the door and join and someone else would bring a friend. So there's just this like incredible beauty to that spontaneity and the lightheartedness of it. It's not about the aesthetics. No one has a special table setting that they receive for their wedding. Everyone was holidaying. So no, you know, not holidaying, but they were there from another place. So no one has their grandmother's special candlesticks with them. It's really the raw essentials, whatever you can muster. And there's just something that's so um, so beautiful about that, the carefree aspect of it. It's not precious at all. It's just raw and full of energy and love and, and exhaustion. I mean, you're 20-somethings in New York. You get to the end of the week and you have all worked really hard to get there and to have that space and to choose to be there instead of going out to a nightclub um, is something really unique it's a beautiful thing <sighs> it really is and and like you say yeah. it's about the separation it's not about I must you know create a three-course meal or I must mm -hmm. say every prayer exactly how it's supposed to be said or I'm doing it wrong whatever it is let's talk a bit mm -hmm. about that about people we we sometimes hear about Jewish imposter syndrome where people mm. thinking they're not doing it right or they don't, should be doing it another way can we talk a bit about that and, and your yeah. thoughts on it yeah it's such a shame right because like with anything that we're afraid of doing incorrectly and we all have those moments that we're held back by that fear um, of wanting to be perfect when we execute um, we're the ones who miss out in the end so of course I always encourage people to connect however they would like to. And there's this beautiful story, which I learned at school, but has increasing relevance as I grow up. And part of the story that was told, it's a fable about a young boy and he would go to school with his peers and they would pray and he didn't know the Hebrew words. So he was always at the back and he was shy and afraid and, and he stood behind his peers and they laughed at him and and this would happen over and over again. And then one day his peers were all out at lunch and they heard this incredible sound coming from the synagogue. And they all went to look, what, what's this music we hear? And it was the little boy and he had a recorder and he was praying through his music and his music was traveling to the heavens. And they looked with awe at how he was connecting and that was it. The lesson, moral of the story was he had to find his own voice. We all connect to God, to the divine, to whatever you call this spirit that created us. We all connect in our own way, in our own voice. So it's very important that we that we realize that and that we don't feel afraid to put what's unique into the way we execute our traditions. That said, there's also, you know, there are specific prayers which we can say and which we can learn to say and there are rituals that we can learn to do and we can in turn make them our own. So there are so many resources available online and through teachers and, and rabbis and rabbits and, you know, he asked me how I do something, not that it's the perfect way, but, but there are people that you can turn to, to ask, to just explore and try and understand um, what are some of the possibilities here and to know the Hebrew words is very powerful. So there are always sources through which you can look at the specific Hebrew words so that you can say things with confidence 
So I would encourage both of those. I encourage looking at the sources and, and finding out what are the specific prayers? How do I say them? Who can I engage with as a teacher in moments where I feel insecure or I don't know what to do? And then how do I bring my flavor into this? Because what is the point of saying it if you don't connect? What is the point of me holding this glass and uttering words with a stone heart? You know, unless I am connecting to the blessing over the wine, unless I am realizing that in this moment I am saying I'm creating this holy space every time as Jewish people that we create holy space, we bless wine. I'm injecting myself into that chain, this lineage, this tradition. And unless we understand that, we're not going to connect to what we're saying. And then not only do we not feel anything, then that prayer doesn't reach the heavens. That prayer doesn't uh, pull on the heartstrings of the people around us. So the opportunity is lost. So there's the balance of knowing what you're doing and where the words come from and what they are, and then finding your point of entry, find your music, find your you know, music from the recorder to give it life. And as an example, something, a tradition that we've created, our own little mini family, I have two little girls, age six and seven, and they love, you know, the Shabbat prayers and, and, and doing Shabbat our way. And we, we've just added in, I don't know quite know how it came in, but we've added in, um, we've been doing it for about two years now, once we sit down and, and start eating, um, our first point of conversation is we go around the table and we talk about two things. Each person shares their highlight of the week because, you know, sometimes we hear things from ourselves and others that are my kids that I didn't even know happened. And, um, and then we also share about something we're grateful for, just because for me, that is one of my biggest teachings to my kids to, to be grateful and to appreciate and just to take a moment. And like um, Michaela said about the separation, we don't have time to have those conversations during the week, you know, and it's just we know once a week we stop, we reflect. And, and those are our little family traditions, which feel good that they're kind of ours and we started them and that works for our family. So yeah, there's, there's ways. I think that's, yeah, that's so beautiful and so powerful that you create that with your daughters. They're co-creative and they feel like they have this responsibility then to uphold that ritual and be a part of it. Um, and we do something similar in our home where we reflect on the week on Friday nights. And it is incredible to be able to suddenly and automatically just pass something on. You know, you see that you're creating a difference for them in that moment yeah it's really beautiful so we got to you in New York in your 20s and then what happened and you met your husband so then I met my husband (laughs) and and that was you know a, a new phase and as we decided to become engaged and get married it also affected our relationship to Judaism because, well, on two, on two pathways. So first of all, as you become engaged and you decide to get married and you start your own home uh, with someone else, you have this incredible opportunity to consciously choose together how you're going to live a Jewish life. It's a really pivotal time and it's uh, full of so much potential in terms of setting tone and direction for the home you want to create together. And every moment you can do this, you can do this at every moment in your life, but there's something about the starting point of your lives together that can be incredibly fertile for that kind of direction taking. And we, um, I mean, the Shabbat dinners then took a different turn because suddenly we, we had a dinner set, you know, and we had a table, but of course it was a small table. And what I always thought was incredible was that the table always expanded to fit the love, you know, no matter how many people walked into our apartment, Department, that six to eight seater table could seat 15 to 17 when it was required. And then there were the rooftop Shabbats and it just grew and grew and grew. And it was amazing that, you know, that was something that we both wanted and we both not only wanted, but, but really cherished and really prioritized. And then my husband, he came from a very different background. I mean, not remarkably different, but, but he didn't grow up practicing in the same way that I practiced. So 
there were a lot of things that then we had to look at together and I had to question why are they meaningful to me you know why is this something that I do is it just because it was spoon-fed to me or what is the connection I have to actually really learn about what this is because it's important and I need to be able to share that with my husband and one day I'll be able to share it with my children but first I need to share it with him I need to show what joy it brings me I need to show what meaning it adds to our lives I need to show how it it can infuse something into our marriage which is really special and sacred and and so that that was interesting because it wasn't two people who do exactly the same thing coming together and it's just smooth sailing well it really is we were in different places (laughs) it really is (laughs) is. it's nice to know that that everyone you know, very often there are these apparent challenges, but actually what they do is strengthen the relationship and strengthen each person's bond with those traditions and with the religion. So what are some of the traditions that you examined and thought, yes, this gives me meaning and purpose and I, I want to, mm. we want to continue. Yeah. Well, we spoke about everything from Jewish education to keeping kosher to honoring Shabbat in the different elements and um, and the laws of family purity and um, mikvah and the rituals around men and women's intimacy during marriage. So there were just so many layers of it. And every holiday was even an opportunity for me to think more deeply about, you know, I wasn't just reading through the Haggadah. I was looking at it with new eyes and thinking, well, if I'd never been sort of told this story before, how would I feel as an adult coming into it? You know, that different perspective, when you grow up with something and you just sing it all the time and you have this library of songs that come out automatically on every Shabbat and every Chag, it's such a gift. And it's also then to come in and as adult and think, okay, well, how would an adult connect to this without the nostalgia of that? It's a different perspective. And then that informs my motherhood, right? That informs what I want to pass on to my children because I'm very conscious that these early years, the Judaism that we practice in the home around our children is just so informative and it's so precious and it's really pivotal to how they relate to their Jewish identity. I feel like at this stage, you're just ingraining the joy and love of it into their souls, you know, just uh, creating this really precious and um, playful and loving bond, which will bubble up at different times during their lives, because that's what I feel like happened to me. And what, what kind of rituals, traditions do your children take? particular joy and how old are they first of all mm. and, and tell us about okay. family time and and just what what, yeah. what I'd love with this episode is is for people to 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 get some tips from 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 you or what you mm. actually do or just general tips yes so my eldest Aliyah is seven years old Charlie my middle daughter is about to turn five and my son Emmanuel is close to one so full house in all the right ways and Look, Shabbat is very important to us and it really anchors our week. And the girls have a special pride in in setting the table and baking challah. We we like to bake challah. And I would say that's not something I did regularly before the pandemic. So that is definitely a silver lining of this, you know, year and a half in and out of lockdown. Um, has been that we've taken that ritual much more seriously and they really look forward to it. So Shabbat is very important. Before Shabbat and before all the Hagim, so if we're talking tips and and more strategies that can be implemented or not strategies, but practices that can be implemented, um, I always play a lot of Jewish music. I play Jewish music relating to Friday night. I play Jewish music related to the the holidays. We watch YouTube videos. There are so many sources. And of course, I begin to storytell. And so I'll weave the story of Passover a few weeks ahead of Passover. I start to tell them the story of Passover, little bits here and there in the car while we're driving. 
as we're going to sleep at night. And I'll do this before each of the festivals because I want the stories to feel personable and alive. And, and I like to extract maybe a spiritual message from each of those holidays and try and explain it to them in their own words. So we're about to age-appropriate language. We're about to enter Rosh Hashanah. And Rosh Hashanah is the day on which Adam and Eve were created. We believe when man and woman were created. And this is, it's about the birthday of humanity, but it's really saying that each of us are here for a reason, that the world needs each of our gifts, each of our light, each of our spark, and that each one of us is so essential and pivotal in this incredible, greater picture of life. And, and so I say to them, this is the reminder that you're needed in this world and that you have a pure soul. And on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we're trying really hard to come back and listen to that soul, listen to that voice inside and to get quiet and to get to know it. And there are so many distractions that come up, but this is our time to always return to that that place that's beautiful and light within us and it's connected to Hashem and it's connected to the light in every other person and that's how we're all one because we all have this light of Hashem inside of us and and just that suddenly takes a different tone to we're just dipping the apple in the honey right it's suddenly about them and their soul and their place here and their responsibility here and their connection to all of mankind and so I like to bring these snippets of learning or these perspectives which actually are what light me that's what lights me up that's what makes me feel connected to the holiday so how do then i extract that and and teach that to them in their own language we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back i wanted to take a moment to tell you about today's sponsor it is my community membership club for jewish and jewish women smashing life this is my baby this is my third child this is what i spent all my time doing i'm obsessed with this community it's an online community but we do have in-person meetups all over the world and it is a place to be yourself and surround yourself with like-minded jewish women a place to build the life you want on your terms empower by the community. It's a place to share Jewish culture and joy and connect with like-minded Jewish women from all over the world. It's where you want to be to advance in your life and career and learn Jewish rituals that will fill your life with purpose. What makes this community special is we welcome Jewish and Jewish women from all over the world and all different types of connections to Judaism. So we don't like labels. What I do want to say is we welcome you if maybe your father's Jewish and you and your mother's not Jewish and you've maybe been made to feel lesser than any other Jews, I'm here to tell you, you are Jewish enough. You are so welcome in our space. If you're maybe converting or have converted, or on the journey to conversion and exploring that. And of course, if you're traditional or a whole sort of blend of all the things I'm talking about, we welcome you inside Smashing Life and you'll feel safe, supported. It's a non-judgmental environment. And most of all, we have so much fun in there. Um, I'll tell you what you can expect as a Smashing Life member, but I think I just want to tell you a little line from Sam, one of our members, what she said about it that just sort of encompasses what Smashing Life is. Sam is from New York City. She's just married. I should add, we have all kinds of members from all over the world, all ages, but I'd say the majority age group are 25 to 40, really. So it's a sort of young, fun vibe. We want to have a good time. We also want to share things that you know, are a little vulnerable, but we also want to celebrate our wins. And what Sam says is, she says, I was struggling to find a space that felt curated for me and my needs as a Jewish adult and wanting to create a space for myself and my future family that felt true to my Jewish identity. Smashing Life gave me that power and inspiration. And it really does. It's really a special, special place that I'd love you to try for yourself and be part of our very special Jewish community. So what do you get as a Smashing Life member? Well, you'll unlock a community of ready-made, like-minded Jewish friends, both local and international. We are experts at facilitating connections. So you'll never feel like the new girl in the room and not knowing anyone. But we also do all kinds of things 
things to facilitate connection and friendship and lots of lots of fun things. We have social events both online and in real life. We have monthly expert masterclasses chosen by you. You vote for the masterclasses that you want. We bring in the experts. We've got an incredible library of resources and guides for Jewish life. We've got members only discounts and gifts. We do virtual Shabbats. We've got sub communities for things like trying to conceive and pregnancy and parenting. We have an entrepreneur's community, a sub community. We have a Jewish crafts club. We do book club. There's an amazing member recipe book that I love and everyone contributes to. We have great Jewish bake-offs. You can see I can go on and on and on. One more thing that I just want to mention is one of our members also set up what she could call the conversion club for members in the process of converting or have converted. And they meet once a month um, on Zoom and they also have a little DM messenger group. So it's very much the members creating what the community needs and uh, me and the Smashing Life team facilitating and making sure that it is the community that you want it to be. If you're interested in being part of our community, head to smashinglife.club and add your name and email to the waitlist and you'll be notified just as soon as the space becomes available. So just go to smashinglife.club and add your name and email address and you'll be notified as soon as doors open and a space becomes available. I want to remind you of a wonderful African proverb that I love that is so meaningful to me with the power of this community. And it's, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And that's what you'll find inside Smashing Life, the ultimate togetherness, the ultimate Jewish community. So building on that, um, what tips do you have for, well, first of all, what is a meaningful Jewish home? What is a meaningful Jewish home? And then I'd love to hear what tips you have for us all listening to create a meaningful Jewish home, whether we live alone, whether we have partners, kids, any of, any mm. of those. So I strongly believe that we have this incredible wisdom that's gifted to us in the Torah. So we can have a Jewish home right? But what makes it meaningful? It's how do we then take that wisdom and infuse it into our lives in a way that, that adds and elevates to our modern lives? How, how can it elevate our daily experiences? How can it make us more self-aware? How can it make us uh, understand ourselves more deeply and our relationships and our loved ones more deeply? How can this tradition teach us to be more compassionate? How can it teach us to heal how can it teach us to extract and appreciate the beauty of the world we've been gifted? All of these things Judaism can give us. So when we talk about having a meaningful Jewish home, it's how do we look at our heritage and look at the Torah and look at these words and allow them to dance with our everyday lives in a way that brings beauty and meaning to everyone around us. So in order to create a meaningful Jewish home, um, first of all, I think it's something that's intentional. So you're, you're conscious that this is how you want to engage with Judaism. You don't want it to be a static um, once a year religion that you dip into because, as you said, you should, or because you're obligated to go to your in-law's house for a festival. You know, it's not just something you dip in and out of. It's something that can uh, be the water and the ether that you live and breathe in on a daily basis. And I like to say, you probably have heard me say it before, that each of us are the spiritual anchors of our domains. So that goes from the energy that you carry, the aura that you carry into the street, into the workplace, in every conversation. And it especially relates to the physical homes that we create. So what does it mean to be a spiritual anchor. It, it's you are defining what is the spiritual tone that you want to set in that environment. And you are responsible and you are empowered to initiate the rituals and to initiate the practices and draw in the elements that you need in order to create and set that spiritual tone so that everyone who comes into that space senses it. Everyone who enters your space feels it. And just as though you're creating your home from an aesthetic point of view and for that you might choose certain furniture and certain artworks and you're creating a visual story we can create a spiritual story 
in our homes. It's through the rituals that we practice, through the music that we play, it's through the way that we gather and the people that we invite to share it with us. Um, all of those things affect the feeling that people will have in your house. Um, so some different steps that we could look at in, in order to make a, a meaningful Jewish home in addition to this level of intention. Um, so one is your self-education. How are you filling up? Where are you learning? How, what are the sources who are teaching you? Do you have a mentor who will teach you in this Jewish department, in, in this world of Judaism and spirituality? Or is it that you're listening to particular shiurim? Or is it that you're reading someone's profile on, on Instagram who fill you with this meaningful Jewish content? So how are you nourishing yourself? Because it's very hard to give when, when you don't have the stream of the flow coming into you. Another aspect is, is gathering within the home. So knowing that your home is a space, what, what do you want this space to do? You've been gifted with this apartment. You've been gifted with, even, you know, from the days of my studio apartment to the home I'm in now, I always wanted them to be places for people to gather and to feel like they had a sense of belonging and feel connected. And, and so I use them in that way. I had friends for Shabbat, as we described. Um, so how do you want to gather in your space? Setting your space to use and, and using your space as a vehicle for carrying these, these spiritual messages and carrying this blessing is, is also a way to activate a meaningful Jewish home. Acting with rituals. So deciding I'm going to light candles every Friday or I'm going to bake my challah every Friday or I'm going to just have friends over and, and just have a meal together to start because I'm not even sure where to start with the blessings or I'm actually going to begin doing havdalah at the end of Shabbat. So selecting rituals and acting on those rituals consistently and, and having someone even hold you accountable if, if you would like that, someone to share the ritual with, it adds depth and, and layer. Then curating Judaica, you know, is a big... You inspired big me with that one. So you have your stunning menorah. Well, well, also when you did, I think it was two years ago now, Michaela did a wonderful session on this topic inside Smashing Life. And I remember these words and I've re I've 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 shared it with so many others since when you said if you have, you know, beautiful Judaica that gives you joy, not necessarily an heirloom that's handed down that doesn't actually spark joy. If you have Judaica that gives you joy, you'll use it more often, you'll have it on display, you'll see it. And I took that those exact words and I've done it and it and it makes a huge difference. I'm I'm a visual person. What can I say? To me it makes a huge difference. Ah, absolutely. I'm so happy that that spoke to you and it's shifted the way that you engage with your Judaica because um it, it does set a a visual tone for the home to have Judaica objects around. It really defines the space. And I, as I said, then choose the Judaica that, that lights you up, choose the Judaica that you connect with, that you're going to use. And part of that was the incentive behind me creating Ayan Judaica, this, the contemporary Judaica line, which is mainly color covers and textiles was because I held such a beautiful nostalgia for my grandmother's color cover from India, which was hand embroidered onto this stunning apricot satin. And it has this teal blue now faded fringing around the edges and this floral hand embroidery. And I remembered that, you know, children are so visual. We take that in and it's just it created such a beautiful visual memory for me of Friday nights. And as I created these color covers in my collection, I, I wanted them to have that same effect on uh, in homes and on Shabbat table for families today. And having Judaica that you adore scattered around your house, it can make a big difference. It becomes art, but it also defines who you are and it defines to yourself. Each of these pieces probably have a story. You collected your menorah in New York City from ABC Home and Car, but after this beautiful lunch. No, we had lunch together. Uh, Michaela yeah. and I had lunch together, and I happened to find 
uh, the the menorah of my dreams literally I'm obsessed with it <laughs> yeah and and my Seder plate that I found in Morocco on my honeymoon which hangs on my wall the rest of the year and it's this antique Moroccan Seder plate and the color cover that's made in Mexico and embroidered by these indigenous artisans and the menorah that came from my husband's grandmother and and she bought that in Europe many many years ago so all of these pieces have this storytelling aspect to it that create these beautiful threads that are living for our families and and so that's a really important aspect of this meaningful Jewish home is to really select with intentionality pieces that speak to your heart um, and that includes I think we even spoke about it then books right I'm big on on Jewish books and it can be any from your Jewish cookbook to um, a Siddur and a Tanakh, which I always encourage people, if they're curious, you know, have the real sources, have your Humash at home that you can go and look at the week's parsha. People say to me, well, where did you learn that? And I, I read the text, you know, there's the parsha. It, it's beautiful to have these, these books available to us to get curious about. Um, and then, of course, there are what I call like the modern essentials, whether it's Barry Weiss's How to Stop Anti-Semitism or now Noah Tishby's A Guide to Israel, the Most Misunderstood Place on Earth. You know, all of these these books, not only are they are, are they educating us, not only are they filling us up and nourishing us, but but it, it says something to us when you see this in your midst every day, you're also reinforcing it to yourself, you're reflecting back to yourself these things that are that are essential and important to you. Um, and then I like to say, know, know your past, know your story, where you've come from, who are your ancestors, get curious about them. How did they get here? How did they relate to Judaism? How did they struggle? And, and what did they have to, uh, what did they have to contend with to live a Jewish life? You know, where did they come from? Because one day you will be someone's ancestor. So the way you're living now has incredible effect and potential for many generations to come and, and get curious about those ancestors all the way back to the original mothers and fathers. This is this is wonderful. There's so much to take in. Um, we'll have show notes to go with this episode, which will include links to your beautiful uh, contemporary Judaica line that I'm completely obsessed with, Ayin and and all your other work, and obviously your, your you know, I want to talk about your Instagram account, which is where a lot of people can. If you, I mean, if you're loving everything you're hearing, a great place to start um, to sort of get into Michaela's world is her Instagram account. It's Michaela underscore Ezra, right? Am I right? I mean, I just follow it, so I don't look closely at the handle. Um, and I want to hear a bit about that platform and how it's how it's impacted you, your business, and, and, and you know, having a platform in, in sometimes some very difficult times as well. How, how, you know, earlier, again, recording in 2021, earlier this year, there was the rise of the um, conflict in the Middle East and in May. Um, what, what happened then for you with having this platform? Well, let's even take a step back and say that my platform is not just a Jewish platform. You know, I do a lot of illustration work as well. And I would say that illustration work is, is, is something that speaks to a really broadly, probably very spiritual audience, but certainly not uniquely a Jewish audience. It's a very universal and uh, inclusive, you know, form of art and it's affirmational cards mainly that have these positive statements. And, and so my audience is not only Jewish and it was probably only in the last few years that I as, as my I Am Judaic line picked up that I started to become more vocal from a Jewish perspective on that platform, really stepping into sharing a lot of the teachings that I was absorbing and, and wanting to go more deeply in that direction because, as we've discussed, it was bringing me so much meaning and I, I felt that I wanted to pass that on. So it's definitely taken a more Jewish um, tone in, in the past years but I would say that the people who visit my page and, and my posts come from many many different backgrounds and the common thread would be that they are kind and compassionate and curious about exploring more than just the material world curious about exploring spirituality from many different angles and perspectives and I love that and so 
when something comes along, you know, it wasn't only last this May, you know, it was already a year ago. I remember when you posted those about, I mean, we won't go into it, but like this vile anti-Semitic comment that that it, someone had made, a musician had made in the UK. And, and already back in 2019, there were these seeds of anti-Semitism, these waves that were starting to emerge. And I realized that this space I have, this platform, is such a gift and such an incredible responsibility because not only am I talking to a Jewish audience who I want to encourage to understand their heritage more deeply and their gifts of their of, about the wisdom of the Torah more deeply and, and therefore that they should stand up and be proud Jewish people and proud to express that Judaism. There's not only that aspect of the things, but there's also a lot of people who really probably only have a, a, a surface level awareness of what Judaism is. And these people are not only exposed to me, they're exposed to many different perspectives you know, and, and here I have an opportunity to share the light of our religion with them. This is the beauty of it. This is, this is what Judaism really is. This is how it plays out in our families, in our homes. This is how we explore it when we go to Israel. This is how we sing with it and dance with it. And this is what a gift it is for us and for you. Look, you, you resonate with this. You resonate with this teaching. This is Judaism. And to know that, that maybe I'm giving some exposure like that to even just a few people, I, I feel so honored and so humbled, you know, to be in that position, to be able to share and, and hopefully allow people to see a beauty that they maybe would not have known about. And then to connect, you know, instead of Judaism being scary and other and, and dominant or any, anything, any emotion that would come up, um, any distance that would be created by an anti-Semitic slander or an anti-Semitic thought, um, instead of that being their immediate go-to, suddenly they know a source or they've seen a source that shows them a different side of Judaism. And so that's what I feel my role is to continue showing this beauty that we have, this light that we have, and to continue to exude that, not only to inspire and engage with my Jewish sisters and brothers, but also to reveal something to others who may not have been exposed to it. So looking back, was there some, obviously it was very, you know, draining period of the year for us that month where it was exhausting on social media, but looking yeah. back, do you think there was good that came out of what you shared? Did you see, or you just felt compelled to share? You're not quite sure mm. what, what happened in reaction. Um, I don't. It was very overwhelming to, um, to share because there was, of course, you know, this blurry line that suddenly came up between being anti-Israel and being anti-Semitic. And, and I was suddenly having to address that. Also in, in the space online, which for me was usually just very pure and loving and supportive, um, I was faced with a lot of conflict suddenly. It invited a lot of angry responses. My posts, no matter how neutral, how loving, how supportive of both the Israeli and the Palestinian suffering, you know, I should, you know how supportive I was of, of each people and alleviating the suffering of each people. Um, there, there was a lot of uh, argument around that, and and I was very conscious that I didn't want it to descend into an argument of fact, back and forth. You say this, I say that. The the platform wasn't creating a space for deeper understanding by just pushing fact against fact. Um, I wanted it to, uh, and it was descending into that for a while, but I wanted to continue um, holding space for this, this dream that we all have that one day we can find a peaceful solution and that every human life is dignified and that this is the value system of Judaism, that, that we believe that and that we will do what we need to do to uphold those values. The yeah. Matasiavi song, one day, that's what we one want. One day, yeah. And, and 
what did I learn from that? I can't say how I affected anyone else. I, I don't know. I, I hope that the words touched who they need to touch, maybe allowed people to get more curious where they had had like a one-sided opinion before and maybe this opened something new, opened a gateway for them to be more deeply educated or to learn from another perspective. I know it did for me. I know I did a lot of learning around that time. And I would say that the effect for me, though, was that I became even more resolved in this belief that I need to stand up with pride and express my Judaism and express the light that it is and the light that it can be in the world and to embody that more deeply and to continue learning to continue learning my facts so that when someone comes up to me and, and says something, I can know how to engage with it, you know, whether to refute it or not, rather than just say, well, it doesn't sound right, but I, I don't know. And then I'm going to get really quiet and small because that sounds really awful. Are we actually doing that? You know, like this conversation that we have in our minds because we don't feel secure in our knowledge and our education. And then I just, I mean, we all need to just grow and grow our reservoirs of compassion. We're human beings in the world together. And this is only, solutions are only going to come from our expanded heart space and our increasing compassion and our awareness of one another's suffering and one another's humanity. And it starts in our homes. It starts in being compassionate with ourselves and how the way, the way we speak to ourselves and the way we relate to our children and the way we relate to our partners and our spouses and it reverberates outwards. And, and so those things were just really clear to me after, after that May conflict. Yeah, it's all full circle, isn't it? Back to, the, back to our homes. Um, yeah. I, I love, you always have a way with words. I love hearing your thoughts on all of that. I can't believe it, but we're going to have to be closing closing our episode shortly, but we'll, we'll have to do another one soon. But I just want to close with asking you, um, I really could talk to you all day, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to finish with one final question. Um, at Your Jewish Life and Smashing Life, we're obsessed with what one of our members coined a hashtag. She coined the hashtag PDJ. And PDJ is stands for public display of Judaism and love it <laughs> so you know when we if someone's you know bought a new PDJ we share it in the in the in the community or anything like that and I want to ask you what's your favorite or go-to piece of PDJ Oh, wow. Okay. So look, I told you about my Mark and David that I actually got from my bat mitzvah that, that I wore all through my 20s and I, I still wear. And I also wear a necklace at the moment. This one says Emet. Um, I created this, like, well, actually, I'm wearing two and I showed you the wrong one. I wear a necklace that, that says Michal, my Hebrew name. And I have another one that says Emet. Emet means truth in Hebrew. And I, um, as part of the Iron Collection, one Hanukkah, I decided to take a number of different Hebrew words that were related to the festival. And I worked with a friend of mine who is incredibly talented jeweler in New York. And she hand, she hand molds each of these words, these Hebrew words into necklaces or bracelets. And it was really important to me to start wearing these words like emet, which means truth, or or, which means light, or ness, which means miracle, um, to keep in our consciousness these intentions that we that we have that are connected to each of the festivals, and they are subtle expressions of Judaism. So they're not huge, blingy public displays of Judaism. They're the more subtle displays which remind the wearer of this essential message, this value that they might have, or this belief or this affirmation or this intention that they want to carry with them. And so this word then is a subtle reminder. Actually, there was a bracelet that I was wearing and it said Emunah, right? Faith. I wore it the whole of last year during the pandemic. Emunah was like my motto through the pandemic. Let's just have faith. This is all going to be okay. We're all going to be okay. And I think that while it's subtle on the outside, it can once again have incredible reverberations internally for the wearer. To have this sort of secret, this message that, that we know we're connected and we know that I'm wearing this Hebrew word and it's 
connecting me to my roots and it's connecting me to Hashem, this holy language, these holy letters. It's incredibly empowering. Well, it's been absolutely wonderful today. I hope to have you back on the podcast really soon, Michaela. Thank you. Thank you so much, Karen. I look forward to hearing all of your discussions and wish you every blessing with this podcast. If this episode inspired you in some way, I'd love you to take a screenshot of you listening on your device and post it to your Instagram stories and tag me at Your Jewish Life. I'd love to connect with you on Instagram and be your Instagram friend. That'd be fun. And I'd also love you to subscribe and share the episode with anyone you know who might benefit from it. I'd love you to leave a review as well. All these ways make sure that more people get to listen to the podcast and get inspired to live their Jewish life their way and we can spread the Jewish joy. So that would be a lovely mitzvah if you wanted to leave a review or share this episode with a friend or subscribe. One more thing I want to tell you about just before I go today is I've got a really great handy checklist for you if you are trying to build a Jewish home or you've got a home and you want to make it more Jewish or you just want to feel more Jewish at home and it is a free checklist for everything you need in a modern Jewish home literally covering everything you need to set up your modern Jewish home if you've got a lot of these things it's just a great reminder there's links to everything you need as well so it's it's really handy in that way too and there's checklists for Rosh Hashanah, Shabbat, Hanukkah, Passover and lots of minor Jewish holidays as well and all sorts of fun ideas for the items too so just head to yourjewishlife.co slash Jewish home if you want to grab that checklist. That's yourjewishlife.co, that's .co slash Jewish home, all one word. And the checklist is for you, whether you're Jewish, Jewish, or becoming Jewish. Let me know what you think. Drop me a line on Instagram and have a great day.